0: Fraud, especially online fraud, can happen to every online
1: business. The Startup Student Podcast, the podcast for students who want to be their own boss, where students and experts from across the world and I, Christine, give you practical advice. We are looking into tips all around starting and marketing your own business, as well as productivity to better balance your student and business life. Turn your idea into reality. I'm your host, Christine. Let's start this episode. Welcome back. It's a new week, a new podcast episode, and it's episode number four, which is not the last one, but we tell you about this in the end <laughs> with Lars Funke. And we're talking about payment providers. So, everyone who sells something online, this is for you. Welcome back, Lars.
0: Hey, Christina. Pleasure to meet you again.
1: <laughs> and today, so episode four, like I said, and really, really, really recommend episode one, two, and three to listen to as well, because that builds up to what we're talking about now, but also not. You can listen to it separately first, and then go back and listen to the other ones as you wish, because today we're talking about limiting the risks when you're selling something online. Over to you, Lars.
0: Perfect, yeah. Basically, risk is something which, especially when you're a startup, people do not even have on their radar until it happens and they have the first fraudulent customer. So basically, the main question is, is it important for me, yes or no? And how can I define if I could be really be affected by risk or not? So basically, the first question is basically, does it, can it happen to me? Or what do I have to think about? What are the consequences? That's quite easy to answer. Fraud, especially online fraud, can happen to every online business. Some of the business are more endangered, endangered in the e-commerce than others. It has to do a lot with the products you're selling and the clients that you have. But what you can say in general that approximately 3% of the profit of an e-commerce company is lost annually by fraud. Does now not sound that much, but if you, for example, are a startup, and you plan in the first year with 100,000 euros transaction volumes, then basically this is a quite huge number because normally this says you should have a revenue between 30 to 40 percent in the best case, which means that your profit is then 30 to 40k. And if you have 30k profit and 3 percent profit is lost by fraud, then this means that 1,000 euros you are handing out to fraudsters and you're not getting anything back in return. So, and 1,000 euros, that's at least a small holiday trip over a weekend. So basically that's something which you better should keep in the company.
1: It is, actually. And it's 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 a lot of money. I mean, every money lost to fraud is lost money in the end. And it also doesn't reflect well on you. And there might be some things that you can do to limit that risk. And this is what we're going to talk about today.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And especially when you can make things right already in the beginning, it will help you to reduce fraud while you are growing. And as I said, basically, for 100K per year, it's already 1,000 euros. Now imagine you scale your business with the Factor 10 and you are selling products for 1 million Euro per year. Then it's already 10,000 euros and then it really starts to get painful. So what type of fraud do we have? Basically, there are several different fraud possibilities. Let's start with the regular e-commerce fraud scenarios, which is basically that someone is coming to your shop with a stolen credit card or with a stolen bank account. Or with a stolen identity and he is just purchasing the goods and then intercepting the delivery and you have then the trouble that is something which can easily happen what helps you here indeed is either a payment provider who is having a very good risk tools for example there are now several ones in the market which use already some artificial intelligence and big data analysis to make sure that fraudsters are identified before the final order is confirmed. So in the best case, they stop the transaction already during the ordering process. But also something which you should be aware of and which you should use is your common sense. What I've seen in the past is indeed that especially startups and young businesses were super happy that they found a new customer who purchased in the first week a product of 100 euros. And then a few days later, they purchased again for 200 euros, increased again to 300, 400, 500, 1,000 euros. So they're really happy about it, but they have not realized or not thought about that it's not common behavior, that it doesn't really fit to the way their product works or it doesn't fit to the behavior of the other clients. So what happens, especially if you have these type of patterns where you see, okay, one and the same customer is quickly starting to increase the order volume then this could be an indication that it's a fraudulent case. Worst case, if you do not realize it, you're really happy and motivated that you have such a great customer and you keep on sending the goods to him even quicker until then the first dispute and chargeback cases from the payment provider comes in and you realize that it's a fraudulent customer who basically abused your shop. And if you then have maybe sent out goods in a value of already 1,500 euros, then it will be almost impossible to get them back or to stop the delivery. And what then happens is the goods are gone. And in the next step, what will happen is you will have to dispute case with the payment provider. And if he is not securing your transaction for specific fraudulent cases, then it could in the worst case even happen that not only the goods are gone, but that they will also deduct the money again from you. So which means goods are gone, money gone, and you as a merchant are the loser. If you would have then, in first instance, monitored the transactions more carefully, it would have been more suspicious. You could have seen this type of pattern. You could have realized it, stopped the order, and canceled it, basically. What then would happen, of course, you would not have made the transaction. You would not have made the turnover and the revenue but you would still have the goods in your stock and you could sell them to the next genuine customer. This is something which specifically startups need to learn to understand. It's not only about selling, it's about selling securely because it doesn't bring you anything if you sell goods and you don't get the money at the end. This is to regular fraud. Another fraud which is quite common is the so-called friendly fraud. What does that mean now? Friendly fraud is that the ones who is ordering the goods will be automatically the fraudster. So basically what will happen is basically that someone is purchasing the goods with his own credit card or with his bank account, and he will get the goods delivered to his address and accept them. And maybe he doesn't need to sign for the delivery. In such a case, he can simply say, hey, I have not received the goods. Or what they sometimes do as well is they say they have not ordered the goods, The benefit here with credit card very often could be that, especially when the transaction is done via 3D secure or verified by Visa, then you basically as a merchant have the security that you can prove that the order has been done by him. But unfortunately, there are still merchants out there who experience that because simply try to do it and then at least you have the trouble and the pain
1: with that. I never heard of that before. The other one, of course, people might steal, especially if you go into foreign countries and they still use maybe the copy, copying your credit card or something like that. A lot of times that's when things happen. But also in other things, if someone else wasn't careful enough with your data or someone else used fraudulent payment provider, I guess, where you entered your details, that's how they get to your payment details as well.
0: Yeah, it. but what you also need to understand, let's first go to a few patterns which you should be careful with in the shop. A few patterns which indicating that it could be a fraudulent transaction is if you see that it's a, a dodgy email address or even a throwaway email address, then you should be very, very concerned. But also if you see that basically the uh, invoicing address and the delivery address are completely different, and in worst case, even to a different country, then all your uh alert bells should ring. So this is a clear indication. Also, if you see from the same customer repeating transactions, or basically with the same credit card and different customers' names, this is also an indication that this is a fraudulent case. If you realize that with different email addresses and the same IP address, you see the transactions coming in, these are all the triggers which could alert you. There are plenty of, and there's plenty of information in the internet. If you'd like to know more specific in detail, then feel free to get in touch with me and then we can make even a one-on-one session on that. So this is something where you always, it always makes sense to also check what is the business exact doing and how much they are affected to online fraud. Because as you can imagine, It's a huge difference towards online fraud if you are on one side have a company which is selling goods like iPads, smartphones, tablets, etc. And on the other side, if you're having a company there which is selling chocolate online. Because why is there a big difference? Normally, what doctors do, especially for stolen credit cards, they buy them on the dark net in the internet. And... They cannot be assured that they are the only ones who is going to purchase the stolen credit card data. So what they do is they try to get as much as profit out of the stolen credit card as quick as possible because there's always a risk that someone else is doing the same or trying the same. And once the bank in the background realizes that the credit card is stolen and used for fraud cases, it will be blocked. So that's the reason why the fraudsters very quickly try to use a card. And also something, if they have found a shop where they can uh, abuse it, they will keep on doing so until either the shop is closing the gate or the bank is closing or blocking uh, the credit card because it's so easy for them to make the uh, recurring transactions and keep on doing it. And they really do it in a professional way. Like you and I go to work each morning and uh, do the, for me, like improving the payment conditions for the online merchants. And Christine, like you, you're doing your podcast and supporting the uh, startups. The fraudsters are going to work and do each day the fraudulent cases. I have also still one example. While I was working for a payment provider, we had one interesting case where the fraudster was really a smart one. He was really difficult to track because he was using different IP addresses, different email addresses, different names, different credit cards. But what we realized together with the merchant was that the shop was basically focusing for end customers in Europe. And normally we were expecting regular order windows. So basically, as you can imagine, if you focus on one specific region, then normally during the night, the order volume should go down. And what we have realized is that for him in the night, especially during the sleeping hours, the order volume uh, increased a lot. And we were even able to identify starting hours and the closing hours of the fraudster due to the way how they worked. Because we could see basically in his time zone, he started most likely working 9 o'clock in the morning, and then he was working his 8 hours, and then he stopped working. And specifically in this time window, we saw all the fraudulent transactions, which was not funny for the merchant, but I think for us to see that really a fraudster is working from 9 to 5. It's his own bad industry, and this is also why you as a merchant should be very careful and should always take a fraud into consideration. Because one part which I mentioned already in regards to costs is, of course, that you're losing the goods. And in the worst case, you're even losing the money of the transaction. But what happens as well with the dispute cases, when they come in, even then for these, the card schemes or the payment providers asking you as a merchant a penalty fee. For credit card, this is, for example, called a chargeback fee. And it could be, depending on the payment provider, between 15 euros up to 60 euros. So there's a wider range. And if you can imagine that you have an average basket size of 60 euros and you pay on top, again, a penalty of 60 euros, this is something which really can hurt a business. And what happens as well, they are monitoring the so-called chargeback and dispute rates. And if you are increasing the chargeback rate over a specific ratio, then there might be even higher penalties from the networks and the card schemes, etc. For example, it could then happen that at one point they start charging you monthly additional fees of euros and more up to 10,000 euros. It's really depending on what you're doing and how big the penalty is. But what is more common that before you are achieving these limits, that very often your business will be stopped by the payment provider and he will terminate your contract. Because, of course, the chargebacks is something which is creating costs and payment providers normally tend to move these costs forward to the merchant who has created them. But on the other side, there's always a risk that it's a fraudulent merchant, which they have onboarded. And then in worst case, they cannot afford the costs. Or the other one is basically that if you do not run your business properly as a merchant and you have these high chargebacks and you do not understand your numbers, you might not be even profitable anymore, which could lead to the fact that you're running into an insolvency. And if you're insolvent as a company, then even the payment provider cannot ask you these additional fees from the card schemes. And then he would need to pay it by his, uh, from his own pocket, which is then, of course, a negative for his balance and long term also negative for all the normal and white sheep customers, uh, white sheep merchants, because it might happen that at the long term, then the payment provider needs to increase the costs. And in order to prevent that and in order to keep their business clean, then the payment providers tend to shut down the merchants which have higher risks. And higher risks means that they have a higher number of chargebacks, higher number of dispute cases, not reacting to requests from the payment provider, but also not reacting to requests via email from end customers. These are all indicators for the payment provider, which say, okay, this is most likely one of the type of the merchants which we do not like to work together with.
1: Wow. Okay. Thank you. So it's always worth everyone who's listening To talk to an expert about this, checking what you can do to prevent this and make sure you choose the right payment provider. But again, like we just heard, even they are not 100% bulletproof and fraud proof, let's say. So thank you for sharing that. Any any other things, any final things that you wanted to mention?
0: Yeah, I think you just gave also a good keyword, choosing the right provider. Of course, you as a merchant should be also careful whom you are choosing as a PEM provider, but because they are not only the regular ones, there's even a a branch in the pen providers where pen providers, especially for high risk, try, I would not say a trick, merchants, but where the business is really related in such a way that it might be indeed unlikely that the merchant is going to get his payout. So it's basically then the black sheeps of the payment industry, if you want to say so. Because what they see, they promise you that they are able to accept your business. They ask high fees for the onboarding because you're not accepted anywhere else. And then at the end, basically, they have such high payout limits or such high penalties in terms of fraudulent transactions that at the end of the day, there is no money left for your business. And this is something where you should be uh, careful as well. So always double check is the PEM provider with whom I am planning to work authentic? Is he genuine? Can I ask some of his customers if how they have been treated, etc., to make sure that you do not get one of the black sheep there.
1: You don't get into yeah fall into the traps really. And again, like I said, there's a lot that you can do. Lars already mentioned so many things, and maybe take up a consultation call with him. Because, same with planning. When you plan things, you will save a lot of time. So, here, when you try to avoid risks and talk to someone who knows what they're doing and has a lot of examples, then that can save you a lot of money in the end and a lot of headache as well. Thank you so much for sharing that. The other thing that we wanted to mention, and we did hint on that in one of the previous episodes, is that the Payment providers for coaches and let's say service providers are sometimes a bit, sometimes need a bit of different setup, a bit of different things to consider. So, Lars has kindly suggested to do a bonus episode for that, which will be coming out next week. So, instead of four episodes, we actually decided to do five because I think there's a lot of service providers here, a lot of coaches and consultants that are listening. So everything that we mentioned is also relevant to you, of course, but there's some specifics that Lars is happy to go through in the next episode. I'm looking forward to recording that. And thank you so much for your time today again.
0: Thank you as well, Christina. Yeah, I am also looking forward to the next bonus episode, which will be specifically for coaches, mentors, and the ones which have something which you can consider as a so-called high-ticket business.
1: Excellent.